0: Welcome to the week's unscripted podcast powered by Jägermeister. Let's dive deep into the vibrant world of comic books and one-man's universe in particular, as we are joined by the acclaimed comic book writer Dan Waters, pleading the realms of dreams and nightmares With a taste of the supernatural, over the years, Ben showcased his remarkable versatility and imagination by breeding life into iconic characters from some of the most beloved universes, from dark alice of Gotham, then through ten realms of Yggartzil, to Nazi-ruled world in Wolfenstein, and we are yet to see the best that will come from his ink and imagination as he sets the comic book community ablaze welcome then and are you ready to go genuine, uncensored and unscripted with us today
1: yeah thanks very much thanks for such a lovely intro before becoming a
0: comic book creator i believe you were a fan eagerly waiting for the next Mm -hmm. chapters of your favorite heroes or villains to be released and so what when and why did you decide to tell your own stories build your
1: universe and make your characters yeah, um i always liked writing um, i didn't always know that comics was the thing the medium i wanted to do it in. um originally i thought i would i would probably do something with phil or anything but i just turned out to be too impatient for that so um and i was reading a lot of comics so sort of when i was at college and university and stuff so it just seemed like a uh something something i really wanted to try and once i started doing it, it it became very uh apparent that it was a it was a great place to sort of build stories and to sort of be able to like weave things together and you know you, you're not always you, the, the the way you can sort of build bigger and meta narratives out of uh smaller books and all that kind of thing which is a lot of what i've done at DC. Um, and, uh, so, so I was reading to like Grant Morrison, seeing how, how they were doing that. Um, that was like very inspiring. So I, I sort of, yeah, I, I just sort of followed that part. So dreams
0: and nightmares are frequently featured in your storytelling, followed by seamlessly blending genres and creating visually stunning and thought provoking panels. But how do you approach the process of crafting such layered stories?
1: I, mean, I think like layered layers that's a, that's a complex question with a, probably quite a complex answer but um I think I think that's kind of what the job is in terms of giving readers their money worth uh, because if you're picking something up that's four bucks and 22 pages or 20 pages then you you know you need to be handed something that has like some depth to it something that has been thought through it's almost like a it's almost closer to poetry than it is to prose in terms of you you're trying to use uh the economy of the space you have um god I'm boring myself but uh you're trying trying to trying to use the space you have to tell as much story as possible but then also without you know pacing is a thing so you're trying to do that without just filling every page with 12 panels and you know each panel with three balloons of dialogue because that's no fun to read either so it's all about using the images and the words and what you can imply in between the two um trying to make something that's satisfying both as uh, a service level story and thematically without also trying to beat the reader over the head with theme or or trying to make that too much of a conscious thing because I think that always tends to be a little bit feel a little bit happy and a little bit uh sentimental usually. All
2: right. Yeah, I mean uh you should I uh, I like to read things that are that they they have theme but they need to be for me to enjoy a little bit there's need to be a little subtlety in them. Do you do you agree that that should be kind of a goal that we shouldn't make uh, things that were so obvious so to speak.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I have a sort of like bugbear with uh, storytelling that I feel is uh, a little too like didactic. Like it's a little bit too much like a sort of uh, you can you can always sort of feel when when a writer sets out with uh, like, okay, I'm going to tell you how the world works because I don't think any of us know that that well, and for us to talk about anything with that kind of confidence or anything that we can talk about with that kind of confidence, it tends to be where it's like, well, okay, but your reader probably knows that too. You're, you're not telling them anything new or you're not exploring anything new. So theme in that kind of way, um, it's always something that it, it's not something that should be entirely unconscious because that can also just be a cop out of you don't bother to like find one or you don't bother to like look for one, but it should be something that sort of reveals itself to you when you're when you're crafting something and also um you shouldn't necessarily go in with knowing exactly how that's going to play out like not that you shouldn't know the end of your story because i think it's important to have like a a, a solid understanding of where yours are headed with something but it should um there should be there should be wriggle room and it should also not always play out the way that not that you quite on quite wanted to as a storyteller because you are in control of that but but it it it's not always just about saying like this is how i think the world works it's more about this is how i feel the world is if that makes sense mm-hmm. yeah.
0: yeah it now, makes uh, and how hard is uh, to balance words and pictures because you have pretty much good balance of words and pictures in your uh comic books because for example dark knight returns which uh, and world is crazy about that storyline and i hate it <laughs> but it has so much uh <laughs> so much uh word box uh, and so much uh text in it and but most lately a
1: lot of it bothered me the best in that than ronan ronan was the one for me which, which just was just too heavy on the text but sorry yeah what we said. <laughs> uh,
0: but uh how stuff is uh, to balance between words and pictures, because I see the new, new writers like you, like L. Ewing, like, uh, and even the older one, like Van Slot, who is writing Spider-Man for as long as I know for myself, uh, are not so much more focused on action-packed panels. Uh, they are, like, and they are
1: getting a little darker, ain't it? I mean, yeah, I think um, it's 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 just something you something you pick up. I don't know if if that would be something you could sort of know coming out the gate, but I think some of my older stuff was definitely too dense word, uh, you know, word to sort of picture ratio wise. Um, but it's something you know if you if you focus on your craft and you and you just want to sort of tell stories you sort of start to instinctively pick up where things need to breathe a little bit and things need to uh, have, you know, pictures need to have space. I mean, I, I've been lucky enough to work with, like, such good artists throughout my entire career. You know, I started, my first book was with Casper Wingard, so, you know, I had the real head start on sort of that front. Um, but even then, when we were doing Limbo, when we were doing our first book together, uh, Casper used to get me to... Uh, to lay out uh the pages i can't draw for shit but he would get me to just sort of like stick figure out uh the panels so i was sort of seeing okay you know i had it visually in front of me before before i was putting the words down or once i put the words down i'd have to sort of cut back and go like okay i can see how this isn't gonna fit but the longer you do it the more you uh the more it becomes instinctual i think and i think as well like if you're you know sort of like Quote, unquote young writers you know whether you whether you start doing that at 12 or 36 um you can um you can also overcompensate by trying to like pack too much in yourself down and it can feel like cheating to write you know sort of like splash page your character like jumps down from the roof firing two guns you don't feel like you've done your job necessarily but the longer you do it the more you realize that oh no no sometimes the job is knowing when to write that uh, and when to give the the book that breathing space
2: yeah i mean uh, you you mentioned the uh, Kaspar and i was just wondering uh, i wanted to ask you because limbo highlight of limbo for me is it's art it's kind of mm-hmm. cartoonish almost but uh it it fits the, the story that it represents and, and like do you do you have like a clear vision when you're writing that of this is how it should look like, or Casper draws many version of it, maybe. And then you see it and you're like, that's what I want.
1: No, we didn't, no, it was, it, uh, Limbo was far more, and, and like, I always wanted it to be with, especially with creator-owned works like that, um, it's far more collaborative than that. Like, so so Limbo came out of, I had an idea for, for a kind of story I wanted to tell cash for an idea for a kind of book he wanted to draw so we combined those two ideas and uh and, and limbo is the end result so it's it's a sort of you know melody of minds uh which is which is you know that's part of the job as well is, is is trying to that's what drew me in the comics what sort of attracted me to it is is that you have this sort of um you're creating things Particularly with a uh, an artist who's like Casper, who's who's an artist and a colorist. So he's in complete control of the visuals of the book. Um, and so the two of you working together are creating something that that nobody else could could make. Um so yeah, it's, it's definitely not me sort of going like, oh, you know, Casper, draw it like this, use these colours, all that kind of thing. It's it's absolutely uh he's in the driving seat on that side, but then it becomes this cool response where, you know he'll draw an issue I'm like, oh, it, it looks like this. Okay, so let's try doing this in the next issue. Um, so, which is how we ended up with sort of, I think I think issue five of Limbo, which is like mostly set in sort of like a like a dream world. And, uh, you know, it, it has this extremely sort of like bright, like sort of neon stuff and that all just came out of what we developed through the first couple of issues.
2: Collaboration between, uh, obviously, artists and someone who writes should uh, be important for the book to be great. Uh, but uh, did you ever uh, think of maybe uh, like when you were doing these books that uh, people Casper or anybody who drew your, your stories that majorly exceeded your expectations that you were like this is even more amazing this completes my story in much better way
1: than I ever thought I mean definitely I mean that happens constantly like that's that's what you're hoping for in a collaborator um, is is someone who is someone who elevates uh, what you write and that's how you sort of end up with these like longer collaborations you know so that's that's why I will always work with Casper it's why I'll always work with uh, Danny as well um, she always elevates whatever I put down on the page or she'll come back to me with things as well that you'll be like oh I want to put all this stuff in there it tends to be sort of background stuff uh, she wants to add and then that stuff ends up becoming major plot. Uh, you know, uh, sort of fuel. It's yeah. I mean, that's, that's always the dream. And like, you know, like, uh, Herman Peralta, who I've been working on, Loki here, hit, hit, like, that's also felt like a really seamless collabor- collaboration. That's been so much fun.
0: Collaborations are a significant part of your job and creative process, but also when working for DC and Marvel, uh it's continuity as well and we had Marv Wolfman over you and he spoke against uh continuity in some sense and I'll paraphrase like writers today are slaves <laughs> of continuity and okay. I feel it's is it the same situation with uh, indie publishers or with Boom Comics and Image or you are you have more creative freedom to yourself
1: um well first off i don't um i don't agree with that <laughs> as a as a younger writer i do not agree with that one bit uh i, I can i can go into that as well i mean with with image and boom, mm, like no. I, everything i've done there i've done i've done from the ground up so it's worlds that i'm building with my artists and it's worlds that i control so it's my way of the highway essentially or our way in the highway it's not you know, it's between me and the artist to decide what what we want the world to be, what we want the rules to be, how we want it to function. So there's never any of that uh, problem. I mean, continuity is only a thing to me in terms of um, you don't want to sort of cheat and make the story that you're telling within itself feel like it doesn't make sense. That's that's the that's the only time that's ever a problem. Other than that, I'd, I'd say throw everything to the wind. I have I have this like sort of Way I think about continuity with the bigger comic. It's funny. I had a I had a. Uh, you mentioned Al Ewing. We we had a, We had a long conversation about this in the pub like two weeks ago. Uh, but particularly at DC, which is where I've done most of the stuff I've done in continuity, my my way of approaching it is that like the old comics that you're looking back on, those are like people's memories. Rather than rather than being like this is everything that's set in stone. This is exactly what happened. Exactly the way it happened. Because these contradictions always exist you have these different you know versions of events you have these different sort of like retellings that have that have all happened through you know different reboots different relaunches so i always want to be able to go to those wells in terms of there is a weight to having bad history behind you and these characters having like gone through certain things and. But you know, some of those stories are better than others. Some of them fit the character better than others. You know, sometimes people try things and they they're they're more successful or less successful. And um, so I always want to be able to approach it that way, where it's like it's like these are things that people are they they sort of like remember and they're informing what's happening now. But you don't have to be beholden to every little second of everything that happened in those memories because memories are fallible.
2: Yeah, but I mean, Marv was speaking in, uh, also in a way that it's complicated for new readers to start reading comics in some way, because, uh, like that's, maybe it's also a fault of comic book community, because when somebody asks you, should I read this comic, you say, but before you have to read this, and this, and this issue, and this storyline, for you to understand, that people are put off by that, and he said, every comic is someone's first comic, so you know it has some sense from that perspective i think
1: yeah and it's yeah i mean I, I i i agree with that more. so like um i definitely agree with that uh, in terms of every comic is a uh it's its own unit of storytelling and it should be able to stand as that so i don't know that you need to like it's also and i'm also not saying you know i don't care about anything that came before and we should have that all every every issue one um you know particularly working on those universes the joy of a lot of it is the is the is the continuity and the and the sort of like things that came before um but we we don't have to do it in a way where this book only makes sense or like it could only you know what one th- one thing that'll always bug me is when you get a you get a cliffhanger where it's just like this character shows up and it's like, I am this person and you're like, I don't know who you are. Like I don't this this means nothing because there is no weight within the story itself. Uh you know, it has not been established, like why this person matters, why this person carries weight. So everything within the story itself as long as everything within the story itself carries weight as long as it matters to what's happening on the page then i don't think it should ever really be a problem um so maybe it's it's sometimes just down to how the storytelling itself is approached um and i think there are always ways around it because i also i I also think i mean i do sometimes wonder if it's also a thing of that people are now getting very used to being able to consume something in its entirety Whereas that didn't used to be such a thing I used to, I used to like, I mean, I, I, you know, the sort of first comics I ever picked up were just random issues of like Peter David's Hulk, or, you know, um, like boozy X Iron Man and, and stuff like that. And, and, and I didn't know what had happened before. I didn't know what would have been established with these characters, but I loved them. And I read these like single issues, like back to front and front to back and a thousand times over, um, I remember like reading the uh, claremont miller's wolverine for the first time and then it, it's know it's a very sort of grounded no quote unquote grounded like it's 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 daft, but it's it's great and it's but the, the last page is the only place you see the expense and it's suddenly like like my cruel is there and i was like why is there a blue demon just like on the last page of this book which has just been about like people the whole way through it's just been about like samurai and ninja like fighting each other um but it, you know that was never a problem i never I liked that. It felt like there was, you know, this stuff sort of behind it and there were other places to explore it. didn't feel like, oh, you have to go back and read every issue of X-Men in order to like understand where this blue guy's come from.
0: Yeah, it's also brilliant to create such a web which connects all storylines from minor characters to major ones. Uh, like, I I probably believe that uh, your walkie will be part of major crossover event in the Marvel. But on the other hand, you... Uh, for writers, artists, creators like yourself, maybe continuity in some sense, because if you have such strict schedule, like we need this issue every, every week or every month, and mm. we need to have crossover, even if you don't have valuable story, then that's a bad thing, like, because Marvel comics were in crisis one time with Civil War 2 and all those remakes, they were just made to be made not because story demanded them to be
2: there
1: yeah, I can't say I've read that stuff but um uh yeah I don't know I think I think yeah I think it's all about trying to make every every unit of story matter in like I also don't like the idea of I never quite like the idea of like um this bit of story is important this bit of story isn't um I think sometimes, when that's approached as a criticism, really what people mean is that it this bit of story didn't uh feel like it like moved forward in itself, which is a different thing to um, you know, it it trying to move forward every bit of story trying to move forward an entire chunk of universe. Maybe it just didn't move forward that character's um that journey. Did you didn't feel the sort of like any any sort of growth, any sort of movement, any sort of uh Sort of thesis being sort of like planted there, which I think is 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 all that should ever matter. It, it could be as big or as small as possible. Uh, you know, you can you can tell a story about someone like getting up and eating breakfast, and it can be absolutely gripping and absolutely uh, worthwhile if you do it right and if you know the sort of right things are happening. Um, so it's you know, and the the you know the the pitfall on the other end of that is that everything becomes cosmic and everything becomes universe changing at all times and if that keeps happening then it it doesn't feel like it matters uh you know the breakfast story can feel more important there are no rules but one drink jägermeister at minus 18 degrees celsius
0: which is more demanding to balance existing mythos which we spoke a little bit like memories uh, in some sense uh, and balance them with your vision or to start from scratch
1: I mean, starting from scratch is definitely more challenging because you have to establish everything yourself. You have to uh, build the whole world. Uh, it's like it's kind of like what I was saying before. You have to, you, you know, you have to sort of like decide the rules, and you have to, you have to stick to them. Um, and I think there's there's also like an element to doing the sort of, particularly working on like superhuman, super humor, uh, superhero universes, where Uh, you've already got a lot of like sort of leeway and a lot of slack in terms of the audience is already kind of on board with the fact that you're in a world where you know uh, an alien from Krypton can can fly because of the yellow sun and also Zatanna is there and she can do magic because she speaks backwards and you know all these sort of things already coexist they're already established and you're sort of just like away you can just you can just you can just go with it you don't need to sort of make sense of it you don't need to explain it the the, the reader's already on board and again the continuity gives you so much sort of like raw clay to work with these characters are already established so that's always going to be a simpler um starting point you not simpler but um you're you're handed so much already there's already so much sort of uh to play with um whereas creating something from scratch is kind of about looking at the actual world and going like okay like what pieces of raw material am i gonna pick and choose from in order to even start finding a, a starting point for for this story for this idea i have um which can also be like you know intensely rewarding because you're making something brand new that's never been made before uh, and has never been hopefully never been approached in the way you're trying to approach it before because that's the whole point Um, so yeah they're both both very different, they're both very fun Um, and and I want to keep doing both for as long as I can
0: (laughs) but have you ever maybe been tempted to do something new with uh... With characters only established and with something tradi- traditionally accepted by the fans, like you said, with Zatanna speaking backwards, and to change something major, and uh, are you ready to, are you ready for fans
1: backlash? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, I I mean, I mean, guess, like, the thing that probably springs to mind is, is, is what Danny and I did with Ten-Eyed Man uh, in Arkham City, where we, we sort of rebuild that character from scratch um, in a way that uh, we had a lot of fun with and kind of felt like we were dragging him into our world rather than he was dragging us into his um, so I'm always excited to do stuff like that I'm not I'm never trying to sort of break things in a way you know just for the sake of it or, or just to sort of uh, you know be a brat about it but it is fun to sort of take something established or especially something that maybe doesn't work as well in in some storytelling capacity. Like so, so like Azrael, like we changed him quite a bit. Like I sort of, uh, you know, sort of established some new things, built a whole load of new backstory and, and tied him to, to, to parts of the DC universe that he hadn't been tied to before. Like we, we built in this whole sort of like new God's connection and and sort of tried to make sense of some stuff, which didn't quite make sense to me about the character before uh, in terms of how he was able to do certain things and sort of build advanced technology from being hypnotized as a child. Um, so that stuff, you know, is it's sort of about trying to add some some more depth and sort of like, you know, piece together, add your piece to the sort of tapestry. Um but yeah i'm always i'm 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 always more worried about having a good story than i am about whatever kind of like backlash i'm going to get
2: hmm. w well, what's what's a good story C- can you can you give me example of your good comic book that you read maybe as a, a young person or uh, your personal favorite comic books that you would describe as a, this is a good
1: story oh god uh, I mean, Saga of the Swamp Thing would be the the first one that 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 comes to mind in terms of it being, you know, a series of you know small stories that just cascade into and every single one of them feels brilliant, and it just cascades into this you know big well, eh thing. I, 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 that have a... Great darkness. Oh, that's a that's a gap that so you, you should uh, you should treat yourself to um, to filling. It is, uh, it, it's, it's probably the reason I do this. It's, uh, it's, it's just, just my favorite. Um, and it's, you know, it's so of its time and yet it just still works so well. Every time I go back to it, it, it just feels, it feels so good.
2: Yeah. I mean, uh, but uh, like you, you, you mentioned that, like, uh, that's a, a good story, but do you do you ever feel like uh, you, for example, I read the uh, deep roots from you, which is a very interesting concept and something that uh, uh, I have read a lot of storylines like that. I'm not a fan of exactly body horror as well, so. But uh, fair enough. A, it, yeah, uh, it's a very interesting storyline and it's a, a a little bit different. Do you sometimes notice in, in your writing where you? Uh, have a storyline in your head and you, uh, think this is something that I want to do different. This is that I want, I want to present this idea in a hopefully way that nobody ever, or, or, or nobody ever, at least in my view, uh,
1: presented it. Um, yeah, I think, I know, I think I kind of know what you're, you're getting at. I think, like, I think particularly with something like Deep Roots, I was, yeah, there was almost an element of, like, experiment to it where I was trying to, never quite do the expected thing uh and it always uh took a turn a- away from uh where you thought or where i thought the reader would think the story was going it's a very uh, huh yeah <laughs> yeah i mean because that that's you know that's where you end up because there's 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 always a balance to be sort of struck between trying to do things that are uh unexpected and also not because I, th- I think it's also easy to become, like, antagonistic to your reader. And I don't think readers enjoy that either. I don't think they enjoy sort of being, like, when you're just constantly trying to trick them and you're constantly trying to, like, trip them up. Uh, because, you know, at the end of the day, what, you're, what you've done is you've said, hey, sit down and, and, and go on this tale with me. So if it then feels like you're just trying to um, undermine them and never sort of let them, get, let them find their feet, then... I think that can be frustrating and, uh, it can, it can, it can start to feel a little bit flat. Um, whereas like, you know, letting the reader get their feet onto them and then pulling the rug out, uh, is a lot more fun and a lot harder to do. So I think that's, uh, you know, that, that's the balance you're always kind of trying to strike. Um, cause you know, we we're, we're, we're creatures of pattern recognition as well. Yeah, we 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 want to sort of pick up patterns. It's satisfying. Uh, it's it's the way our brains are designed to sort of like learn and, and process the world. So if you don't give those patterns, if you don't if you don't you know give that structure, then yeah, then 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 you're kind of not providing something that 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 feels like a satisfying story. I think generally, um, and also like it can also just be an excuse to like not learn your craft <laughs> so i'm always get a little bit like tentative of that of stuff that like you know like a lot of stuff that gets described as sort of like lynching and stuff so i'm like, I'm like is, is it is it lynching because it's doing something interesting the way he does or is it lynching because you didn't bother to study structure and you didn't like go back over your story to to, to make sure that everything sort of fit and everything made sense and everything felt satisfying
0: and Part of your pattern is uh, symbolism and metaphors. They can be labeled as your trademarks in your work. For example, uh, I already mentioned the the seasons have teeth, one of your new storylines, which is the symbolism and metaphor in the name itself. And all we know so far, the world used to be a normal place. Now it's a dystopian reality. We uh, we know Andrew is a troubled and maybe suicidal uh, old man. That's all we get so far. And we do not know how seasons became these godlike creatures. But so, how do you Mm -hmm. balance providing enough narrative clarity while leaving room for me as a reader to engage
1: in my own interpretation of your world? I mean, we'll see. We'll see if I've managed it. Like, the book's got two issues to (laughs) go. I think, I think, yeah like metaphor you know is is, is, a, is a big thing and a story like that which is yeah which is you know the story not about four big monsters the story is about this you know man full of regrets looking back at his life and trying to figure out how he's gotten where he's gotten and whether it was all worth it and whether he can sort of pick up the pieces of, of it all and 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 make it make it all feel worthwhile. Um, the monsters are there as a sort of you know, t- to sort of like guide them through that for sure um, yeah, I, I, it's a issue because I didn't really want to like go into like all the world building, I didn't want to like spend you know half this book sort of going into sort of, you know, fantasy elements or like there being like some wizard who like, you know, changed the seasons into monsters or anything like that, It's it's just not what I was interested in in this story so I think I think it's hopefully was just about that it's just about if you find something that's interesting enough to keep you going to keep you like you know engaged in the story then then it then hopefully it is for the reader as well and you get you got
0: your hands on Loki in Marvel and how mm-hmm. do you see this character? Because we saw many people uh, write about him, either in Thor storylines or it, uh, Daniel did this last uh, installment of Loki, uh, four chapters, right? And how do you mm-hmm. see him between these villainous deeds and heroic acts, always dancing between them? What are you aiming to show us from Loki this time?
1: Ah, well, we have to <laughs> wait we it's done to like, know where we're going. With, but, um... Uh, I think, I just think, I think Loki is the most fun. Um, it's, you know, it's how established Loki is the God of stories rather than the God of, uh, the God of lies or the God of, um, mischief. Um, but I, I, I do just like that. A storyteller is just another kind of mischief maker and another kind of liar, really, because it's all about building, yeah, you know, building metaphors, building uh misdirection. And really what a what a storyteller's always doing, you know, you sit down with your character, particularly in in a universe like this, you sit down with your character and, and it can't be like, Okay, well, they're gonna have a nice day and, you know, everything's gonna go great. You're about to you're sitting down looking for ways to sort of torture them. You're, you're putting wings up flies uh the whole time. Uh and that's what Loki's always kinda of been, It's always always kind of done, but now he's maybe doing it for maybe better reasons, maybe not. His you know, his allegiance is to the story rather than to um anything else. And that's that's a lot of fun. You know, he, he, getting to play them as this sort of like devil figure, this sort of trickster figure. Um is uh, Th- those those are always the most fun to write. I, I did, you know, loose fur for, for two years at DC, and that, that that's a very different, well, quite a different uh, sort of figure in that sort of sense, but he is, again, sort of this eternal scapegoat, and that's that's what I like about Loki, too. He's He's always the one who's in trouble. He's always the one who's, you know, done the wrong thing. Um, and now he's got to sort of make sense of it. And now he's got to fix it or he doesn't, he could, he could go either way. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's the most fun. Hmm. Interesting.
2: Uh, do you, do, do, do you think of him? Uh, what do you think of, of Loki representation in
1: MCU? Do, do you follow it? Yeah. Yeah. I've watched all of it, uh, watched all of it, um, so far. Um, yeah, no, I think, I think it's great. Um, it's uh the, the show was very good it, it did it did feel like you know a sort of strange take on Doctor Who which which I've always sort of enjoyed as sort of just a that you know that show in itself is just a just an engine for stories which is which is why it's gone so long so I hope that's where they're sort of going with that show as well Is it's you know you just have this opportunity to uh to tell all kinds of stories and and, and build all kinds of uh, different different narratives around this character and including this character that don't necessarily always have to be centered on him, um, which is which is what what I've enjoyed about the comics as well, you know, journey into mystery and things like that, where it was always Lodge is the sort of lead, but uh, I'm, I'm talking particularly about uh, Kira Gillen's run, uh, he was always the lead, but he didn't necessarily need to always be the center of attention, and as a creator. How do you feel
0: about comic pages coming alive in all those mediums, like movies, like TV? And if you could choose among your stories, which one would you like to see get adopted the most?
1: Oh, I mean, that's a weighted question. Uh, <laughs> um, I think, I think Pilots would be very cool to see, uh, on screen. There'd be a of a lot of spectacle to that uh i've always wanted coffin bound because i just want to make people say stuff that that's weird that that is that weird out loud um but yeah i mean i don't feel massively strongly i i, I enjoy it there's there's definitely shows i have very much enjoyed and um but i'm also a fan of a, a sort of looser adaptation and letting things stand in their own media um it it's it's gonna be it's always gonna be hard to do something that's you know taking the exact story and the exact panels and putting it on screen, either big or small. Um, and I also don't quite see a lot of point to that, but I also see a lot of uh, you know reason to use uh, the raw materials of what's already been created because there's so much creativity in this medium. Medium. Um, so there's no reason not to take that and, and run with it and take it in different directions and, and use it as as these sort of building blocks to make new things. Right. We spoke about
0: this with other creator, uh, comic creators we had on the show. What do you think about uh, movies basically, are in some sense, taking over the industry? Because it's uh, in some storylines, and I'm talking about Marvel and DC basically, they are influencing comics more than comics influence movies
1: in which way like with which sort of thing like
2: it's not it's not that comics anymore uh, have influence so much on on the movie storytelling but uh, it seems that sometimes uh, comics adapt to themselves adapt themselves to the movies uh, like to please sort of maybe movie
1: audience you mean like a, a sort of changing yes. things in the comics so they're, they're close to the movies and things yes, like that? Yeah.
2: Like Defenders, uh, uh, for example, I remember when the Netflix TV show came out, they uh, adapted the Defenders in comics to be uh, the same crew that it's uh, in the TV show. Right. That kind of a thing, for example.
1: Uh the- i don't know it's it's uh it's a it's a it's a tricky I, I think it's almost like case by case because like i think something like uh maybe look at like he look like maybe something like peacemaker it wasn't a character who had like a ton of identity before uh james gunn got his hands on a and it's not now look at thing of yeah, now now he's now he's you know there is this sort of uh, interpretation, this ex- expectation of what that character is, which is a lot more specific than ever existed before. So you know that, that can always it can work, it can go, it can go either way because it. I think it to be honest, it just comes down to whether the changes are good or not. <laughs> so like if 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 it's been done well and if it's worthwhile, um, if it's been well thought out, I'm screen then i don't see why not I, i'm not precious about it in either way whatever's going to make the story better
0: Right. Oh,
1: and let me ask you this
0: uh if you could just because you worked with various uh, uh artists uh, publishing houses and with various uh characters heroes and uh similar uh which character would you like to write and with whom would you maybe like to work to, uh, in the industry
1: yeah. Holy... <laughs> take your time uh off the top of my head i'd like another crack at the shadow uh i i co-wrote uh a shadow book from uh with with, with size from from his um outline, um which was which was a lot of fun. And I really enjoyed writing that character. And I had a, a sort of follow up that was originally meant to happen and kind of fell by the wayside. Um just didn't end up happening as these things sometimes don't. Uh and that was a take on that character that I that I thought was really fun and um I'd really love to do. And I'd I'd love to pull in like Danny to do that. I think I think so. Dining would draw the head out of a, a, a shadow book.
0: And before we wrap up, we have a little tradition where we say a quote on our language, Montenegrin, and translate it to English, and Luka have prepared uh, something for you. Uh, the quote is from uh, the comic book writer from uh, Montenegro or
2: ex Yugoslavia. And uh, he was asked about the impact o- 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 of comic books on audience and on our language, he said. Uh, iz iskustva zna da se ono što je predstavljeno putem stripa ima mnogo jaču percepciju i bolje pamćenje. Nekada u ono vrijeme klinci su pamtili cijele table stripa sa svim dijalozima od riječi do riječi. Uh, što je ostalo kao femo- f- fenomen apsolutno zapamćeno jer današnja android tehnologija ne pamti, ona samo informiše i zabav. And in English, it would say. I know from experience that everything presented through comics has a much stronger perception, better memory. Once upon a time, kids memorized entire pages of comics with all dialogue uh, word for word, which remained absolutely unseen phenomenon. Because today's androids technology, they do not remember,
0: they inform and they entertain. Fragments of (laughs) memories like you said in the beginning. (laughs) Then, yeah, everything
1: you, comes full set. So. Uh, <laughs>
0: then, thank you for this opportunity. I hope this interview was enjoyable to you, like your glass of wine. <laughs> yeah. Thank,
1: thank you. Five o'clock. Thank Cheers. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me.
2: We stay genuine, uncensored, and unscripted. And we always will, as we have to order our usual. Share us, subscribe us, and stay tuned until the next Wednesday. Iguzo!